Good morning and welcome to the Biruki Baptist Church weekly service. It's great to have you joining us and um, the sun's gone but um, I've still managed to come outside today into the woods to explore what God is saying to us this week through his word. So it's great to have you with us. My name's Tom. I'm part of the ministry team here at the church and um, whoever you are, wherever you're from, wherever you are right now, it's great to have you joining us this morning. We're going to begin the morning in prayer and then we're going to examine the scripture that we're going to be looking at later on in the service. Let's pray. Father God, when we come outside and enjoy your creation, we are reminded that we are not simply an accident. We are not simply the result of of particles colliding somewhere in space and, and just randomly creating this planet and this solar system, this universe that we have. But instead, Lord, we see evidence of an intelligent creator. We see evidence of, of a God who has, who has, through his artistry, put together the, the wonders of creation. We see new life springing up. We see, we see the, the old foliage rotting away, giving goodness into the soil to produce new life. We see a cycle going and going and going, a cycle of life. And Father, we feel joy in our hearts whenever we, whenever we see this. We feel joy that there is a God in this world who loves his people. There is a God in this world who who yearns for us to turn to him. And this morning, Lord, we do that. This morning, Father, as we as we pray to you, as we acknowledge you as our God, we 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 recognize, Father, that in each one of us there is a God-shaped hole. In each one of us there is there is a need for a faith a need for something to believe in when we look around the world we hear the dark headlines we hear of the the atrocities that are going on we hear of the the pain and the suffering we hear of the the virus the the pandemic that we're currently um uh, in in the midst of father we we believe in you we believe that you you created us each and every one of us for a purpose that you love us And that this morning, through your word, you will touch our hearts. You will speak to us. You will draw us into your presence, wherever we happen to be. So, Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your creation. And, Father, thank you for this morning as we join together with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So it's good to have you with us. And um, the passage of scripture that we're going to look at today is one of those passages of scripture which anyone who has ever spent any amount of time going to Sunday school will probably have heard. And for an awful lot of Christians, they hear the story, they experience it as a child, they sing the nice songs, and they never really stop to examine it in depth. And so because of that, this story, like many others in scripture, is patronised. We see it as almost a children's story, a bit like a fairy tale. It begins with once upon a time and it ends with happily ever after. But this morning I want us to dig a bit deeper into it. I want us to examine why Luke, the, the, the doctor, the medical man, the author of Luke's gospel, the one who recognised that Jesus was such a significant person that he had to write an account of Jesus' ministry, Luke saw fit to put this patronised story into his gospel he wasn't a man to to waste words he wasn't a man to stick it in there as a bit of light relief from the main message this is part of the main message so we're going to listen now to the passage being read and once we've done that we're going to delve into it 
and see what God has in store for us through it this morning. The reading is taken from Luke 19, verses 1 to 10. Zacchaeus the tax collector. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see Jesus, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be with the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So there we have it. Good old Zacchaeus. Now, of course, as I say, many, many of us will have um, first come across the Zacchaeus story when we were very, very young. It would have been taught in, in Sunday school, possibly a school assembly, something like that. And it's in many ways a, a lovely story. You have this little guy that no one likes. He's a little miserly figure. And one day Jesus comes into his town and he wants to see Jesus, but he's too short. The crowds are in the way, so he has to go um, and find a tree, and he has to climb up a tree in order to see Jesus. Jesus sees him and says, I'm coming to your house for, for tea, for dinner. Um, and after spending a bit of time with Jesus, Zacchaeus says, I've got it all wrong, I'm going to change, and from now on I'm going to give half my property to the poor, and in fact everything that I've ever um, stolen from anybody, taken wrongly, I'm going to give it back four times. And then the story ends, and we tend to end the story there as well by sort of leaving it as a, a happy ending, a, 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 a they all lived happily ever after kind of, kind of finish. But there's so much more to this story. There is so much more. And the reason that Luke puts it in there is because it's very easy for us to start the story at the moment that Zacchaeus suddenly sees the crowd coming surrounding Jesus. But something has happened before that you see Zacchaeus we know is not just a tax collector he's a chief tax collector now in those days the way that the tax collection system worked is um, the Roman authorities taxed each region in each region wealthy individuals were um, invited to step up and pay the tax bill for the entire region. As you can imagine, that was, a, that was a lot of money. You had to be a seriously wealthy individual. Once you'd bought the debt of the Romans, you were then free to um, use the local Roman guard to collect the money in. You were also free to charge whatever you liked. And so because of this, it meant that the system was very much open to abuse. Tax collectors tended to be despised by local communities. They were, they were shunned, they were outcast. And the reason for that is because um, they didn't treat their people fairly. 
they bought the debt off the Romans and um, they would then go and charge a massively inflated tax rate to the people in the local area. The rich got richer and the poor got poorer. As far as we know, there was no Robin Hood equivalent in those days. And so tax collectors were, were outcasts. Um, the only friends they had were other tax collectors, which is interesting. It's entirely possible, of course, that, um, that Matthew, the writer of Matthew's Gospel, one of Jesus's disciples, also went by the name of Levi, the Jewish name. He had been a tax collector. He had been sitting at his tax collecting booth one day and he had had he had suddenly seen a crowd. He'd seen that Jesus was drawing a crowd. He was teaching. But being a tax collector, Matthew hadn't gone forward because he didn't he didn't fit in. He wasn't part of the crowd. Instead, he sat in his booth until Jesus suddenly said, get up, leave everything and follow me. And Matthew was obedient in that. By the time we meet Zacchaeus, Matthew's been following Jesus for quite some time. Now, having been a tax collector, it's entirely possible. We can never be sure, but it's entirely possible that Matthew knew Zacchaeus. It's entirely possible that Zacchaeus had heard about Matthew's conversion. It's entirely possible that Zacchaeus had started to examine his own life, his own existence. That he was dissatisfied with this, this loneliness, this... Um, outcast state that he had been living in for so long maybe he'd got to the point where he thought i've got so much and yet it's just not what i need the more material wealth i i earn the more my bank account goes up and up and up the more my popularity plunges i alienate those around me i'm lonely i just want a purpose in life other than collecting material goods. Now, of course, that is speculation. But what is clear is that unlike Matthew, when Zacchaeus sees the crowds coming into Jericho, knowing that Jesus is the one drawing those crowds, Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus. Matthew didn't really have any interest in, in seeing Jesus. It was only when Jesus said, come and follow me, that Matthew gets up and goes and does it. But with Zacchaeus, something makes him get up himself. He stands at the back of the crowd and he can't see Jesus. Now, he could have called out, he could have stood there and quietly at the back of the crowds and maybe shouted an hallelujah as Jesus walked past. He could have been satisfied with that, but he wasn't. He wanted to lay eyes upon Jesus. He wanted to see Jesus. But there was a barrier. There were people in the way. Zacchaeus, we're told, was a small man. He was very short and he couldn't see over the top. And so he does two very, very undignified things. The first thing is he runs. He wants to get ahead of the crowds, get ahead of where Jesus was. And so he runs. Um, you may remember when I spoke about the the parable of the prodigal son a few weeks ago I said that in those days it was very very undignified for a man to run because the the clothing they would have been wearing the robes they would have been wearing meant that he would have had to hitch it up above his knees showing his bare legs and then run it would have looked a bit like a, a chicken waddling across a farmyard but Zacchaeus does this 
dignity is less important than getting to see Jesus. And then he does something even more undignified. He climbs a tree. I don't know about you, but I've not climbed a tree for a long, long time. But Zacchaeus goes and climbs a tree. It's the only way he can get high enough to see Jesus. Many years ago, um, when I was at university, I studied a module on the life and works of Bob Dylan. And we were looking at one of his songs and there was an interview with Dylan and he said he was on a, a cocktail of all sorts of hallucinogenic drugs when he wrote it. And he suggested that the only way for anybody to truly understand the, um, the, the meaning behind the song was to take a similar cocktail of hallucinogenic drugs. I assure you I never did that. But what I'm going to do now to try and see things through Zacchaeus's eyes is go and climb a tree. Now, of course, you might be wondering why I've come all the way up a tree simply to do a couple of minutes filming. But it's important to come up here because we begin to understand something of what Zacchaeus was feeling. You see, Zacchaeus climbed the tree because he wanted to change his perspective. He wanted to change his, his view of things. And he wanted to be able to overcome the barriers between him and Jesus. Now, in the story, of course, they're very physical barriers. They're people, and Zacchaeus cannot see through the crowd. But Luke puts this in here for a reason. He includes this narrative because he knows that there's something deeper going on here. You see, there's a lesson for us to learn today. As Zacchaeus sat up that tree, he was seeing things from a new perspective. He was overcoming his, um, his barriers that were preventing him from reaching Jesus. I wonder what those barriers are for us today. I wonder how many people today are sitting there thinking, I'd love to know what you're talking about, Tom. I'd love to, I'd love to get to know Jesus. I'd love to have an encounter with the Holy Spirit that you spoke about last week at Pentecost. But I just don't get it. I just do not understand what you're talking about. And frankly, there are things in my life that I'm really struggling with. I don't, want, I don't know what those things are. Now, it could be... It could be the bottle, it could be the brothel, it could be the bookmaker, it could be the job, it could be the paycheck, it could be the bonus, it could be the house, it could be the car, it could be the influence of friends or family, it could be culture, it could be history, it could be an inbred suspicion of the church. There are so many different barriers that may exist and that's just a, a tiny, tiny list of just a few. There'll be others, there'll be many others. For so many people watching today, there will be barriers between you and Jesus. Everybody finds at some point that they take their eyes off Jesus and allow other things to get in the way, to crowd him out. And it's important that we remember the example of Zacchaeus. He went to the effort of running to get ahead of the crowd, of climbing a tree, which I can tell you isn't easy and doing his best to change his perspective. You see, I'm currently quite high up. And from up here, the world looks very different. I can see things from a very different angle, a new perspective. And I can suddenly understand why it was that Zacchaeus was so eager to get up that tree, to change his perspective, to be able to overcome, to see past the barriers that were in his life. 
and to lay his eyes on Jesus. Suddenly he could see beyond his, his desperation to get richer and richer. He could see beyond the, the, the hatred that people threw his way whenever they looked at him. And suddenly he saw Jesus. And at that moment, Jesus looks up and sees Zacchaeus. I'm going to get down from this tree now and consider what happened next in the story. So having come down from the tree, Zacchaeus, accompanied by Jesus, goes home. They have a meal together and we don't know what's said, but we know that by the end of that meal, Zacchaeus is a changed man. Whatever happened during his encounter with Jesus had a profound effect upon him. To the point where by the end of the encounter, Zacchaeus says, Lord, here and now. I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save what is lost. The crowds outside were still grumbling. As soon as they saw Jesus going into Zacchaeus' house, they must have thought, typical, Jesus the charlatan. He comes here proclaiming to, to be here to seek and save the lost, claiming to love the poor. And he finds the richest bloke in town with the biggest house and the best food. And that's who he chooses to go and eat with. Typical. I've seen his sort before. He doesn't care about us. The crowds are grumbling. This wasn't a great PR move by Jesus by any stretch of the imagination. But Jesus wasn't into PR. Jesus wasn't into making sure that he betrayed the right image to the crowds. Because he knew that it didn't matter that Zacchaeus had the house, the wealth. It didn't matter that he had the job or the ear of the local Roman governor. What mattered? was that despite all their wealth, Zacchaeus had very little. Zacchaeus was a, a short man in stature, but he was also a very small man spiritually. And when he spent time with Jesus, he became much bigger. The crowds were still moaning about Zacchaeus. They were still moaning about Jesus. When we finish this story and give it the Sunday school happily ever after touch, we sort of missed the point a bit. You see, even today, when someone gives their life to Jesus, it doesn't mean that there's a happily ever after. In fact, it means that often the troubles are just beginning. The difficult conversations, the awkward justification of why you've made that decision. Indeed, there'll be people up and down the country at the moment who are just beginning to explore the beginnings of their own Christian faith. But one of the biggest challenges, one of the barriers, one of the things that will crowd them out from seeing Jesus is fear. The fear of having to confront those barriers. Whatever Jesus said to Zacchaeus helps him to overcome that fear. And whatever Jesus says to us personally today can also help us to overcome our personal fears. I read some statistics this week which demonstrate the way that God's been working throughout this lockdown period. 
Eden.co.uk report that Bible sales have increased by 55% during lockdown. 55%, that's huge. 25% of the UK population have viewed a church service online since lockdown began. Usually less than 6% attend church in that time. Nearly 3 million people across the country have watched the the viral uh, video, the worship video, the UK blessing. More than 3 million people have viewed that. And 1 in 20 people in this country have said in in a survey done recently that since lockdown began, they've started praying. They weren't Christians who have always prayed. These are people who have not prayed regularly before. But since lockdown began, 1 in 20 have started praying. There is good news out there. There is opportunity out there. And one of the things that we have to do as a church is put ourselves in the position of Zacchaeus. We have to imagine that Jesus is is entering our midst, but there is a crowd between us and him. You see, we, we can easily focus on the story from a personal point of view, put ourselves personally in the position of Zacchaeus. And that's the right thing to do. We should make sure that we, we constantly go through this process of eliminating the barriers that, that can pop up between us and Jesus. The temptations, the, the distractions. But there is also a time for us to address that corporately as well. To say, as a church, why is it that there are so many more people who are interacting with the Christian faith during lockdown when churches are shut than there are normally when churches are open? Is it simply that people are bored, looking for something to do, and they're so desperate they turn to God? (laughs) Possibly. Or is it that we don't do church the right way? Is it that actually we do church in a way that suits us very nicely, the the established church, but it doesn't suit the outsider? the non-churched. Maybe this is a time that we can consider or reconsider what church is. And maybe coming out of lockdown, there are certain things that we change. Maybe there are certain aspects of church in lockdown that we can we can keep going, we can keep doing. I've had several people say to me recently, when church, when's church going to reopen? And I've thought about it and I think my response is going to be... You can't reopen something that never closed. Throughout this process, we've still been doing everything that we normally do, just in a different way. Admittedly, there are certain groups that haven't been able to meet, but the majority of our groups have been meeting online. People have been keeping in touch with each other, reaching out to each other. And rather than focusing our our Christian time, if you like, our prayer time on each other, we've been reaching out into our communities and people respond to that. Right now, there might be people watching this message from the comfort of their own home who would never set foot in a church. I'd love it if you're in that position. Let me know why that is. Because Jesus is quite clear in this story what his purpose was. The very last verse of this story. Jesus says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. The son of man, Jesus that is, came to seek and save. He didn't come to to keep the status quo, to maintain church. 
There was no such thing as church when Jesus came. This is something that we've created and we've done a good job in some ways, but we can always improve. And so one of the one of the challenges that we've got lying ahead of us is to decide how we're going to improve what lockdown has taught us, how we're going to jump on the opportunity that God has put in front of us in the weeks and months to come. How we can play our part in continuing that mission. To seek and save the lost. You see, when when Zacchaeus is up that tree and Jesus looks at him. And says, come down immediately. In other words, react now. Respond now. Don't sit up there and dwell on what I mean, on on where I am. I'm here. Come now. He says, Jesus says, I must stay at your house today. There's an urgency about it. I must stay at your house today. Jesus didn't say, look, Zacchaeus, Make your way down and have a think about it. And I'm going to be in town for a week. So if you'd like to have a chat, let me know. Jesus demands an urgent response from Zacchaeus. I must stay in your house today. In the book of Revelation. In chapter three, verse 20. Jesus says in the church In a letter to the church in Laodicea, he says these words. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. That's exactly what happens here in the story with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus hears Jesus coming. He's aware that this this, this incredible, this significant person is coming into his town. Zacchaeus knows he cannot let this opportunity go. Whatever his motivation is, he runs ahead of the crowd. He climbs the tree. He is desperate to lay eyes on Jesus because he can feel that Jesus is standing at the door of his heart, knocking. And Zacchaeus, he's desperate to find a way to open that door, to let him in, to to eat with him, to learn, to, to listen. And to change in a way that Jesus would approve of. But that's true for all of us today. It might be that you've never opened that door. That you've never even listened for the knock. But during this time of lockdown you've suddenly found yourself with time on your hands. Maybe the the distractions that normally um, prevent you from from spending time considering your spiritual life, maybe they've gone, maybe they've changed, maybe the routine has allowed you a bit more time, who knows, but for some reason, maybe now you're listening, maybe now you're you're just considering what it's all about. Is there more to life than simply the daily routine? Well, Jesus says, yes, there is. There is a lot more to life. Life that goes beyond life just on this earth, life that goes beyond the grave, life that lasts eternally. And the very first step to experiencing that, the very first step to having an encounter with Jesus through his Holy Spirit is listening to your heart. Listening and identifying, identifying what you want from life. Do you want to be like the old Zacchaeus, 
simply chasing the next pound, chasing the paycheck, chasing the bigger house, the bigger car, the status symbols, building up and up and up. There'll be plenty of people who envy you. There'll be plenty of people who, who approve of that lifestyle and commend you for it. But the old adage says you can't take it with you. It doesn't make you any bigger. In fact, Zacchaeus grew in stature, spiritually, emotionally. When he spent time with Jesus and when he then gave half his wealth away and promised to pay four times whatever he'd cheated anybody out of. If you hear Jesus knocking at the door of your heart, then respond. Respond in prayer. Ask him into your life. Ask him to, to come in, to share with you, to eat with you, to be with you, to teach you, to change you. I can tell you with, from personal experience that an encounter with Jesus is the most significant thing that will ever happen in your life. It's true for Zacchaeus, it's true for me, and it can be true for you too. Or if you're sitting there and you've opened that door many, many times, then just remember that sometimes we can shut that door. Sometimes we can slam that door in Jesus's face and we can allow crowds to come between us. I urge you today, open that door back up. Put the effort in. The effort that Zacchaeus put into climbing that tree, that was his way of opening that door. Showing that he was willing to, to, to drop his own dignity, to, to give up everything, to sacrifice everything for Jesus. And as soon as he did that, Jesus looked up into that tree and said, come here now. We've got work to do. Well, Jesus got work to do with you and with me. He put each and every one of us here for a purpose. And when we read this story of Zacchaeus, let's not patronise it. Let's not think of this little evil man who turned good and everybody loved him. That wasn't the case. This is a story of, of a man who had everything, giving it up to gain everything. A man who who was small in stature, suddenly growing, growing in the eyes of God. A man who was despised by those around him, suddenly recognising that he could do something to change that. A man who looked around the world and realised there was more to life than what he'd been pursuing. I urge you to read that story of Zacchaeus. I urge you to go back and to put yourself in his shoes. To learn the lessons that he learned. To consider what, what it means for you personally, for us as a church, for us as a country, for the whole world at the moment. The whole world that has let barriers come between us and our God. The barrier of racism is is. is is in the news at the moment. The barrier of, of sexism and abuse has been in the, in the news recently as well. There are many, many more. There are so many issues, so many problems that we have to contend with. There are so many problems that we're faced with on a daily basis and sometimes they seem so big that we feel helpless and powerless. But there is one who is not helpless, who is not powerless. There is one that looks at you and says, you have a job to do. You have a purpose on this earth. And if you follow me, I'll show you how to do it. So let's pull together. Let's read the story of Zacchaeus and allow ourselves to climb the tree 
to have that encounter with the living Jesus. Come away bigger, more nourished and full of desire to live the life that he wants us to live. Let's pray. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, we come before you now in these times which have so much uncertainty going on. A time when the world seems to be out of control. All the things that we thought were normal and predictable and that we understood don't apply anymore. We look to you now, Lord, for strength and reassurance. We do not need to climb a tree to be able to see you, O Lord. We can just call out and you will hear us. We pray that you will give us the faith that we can trust that you are in control of everything that is going on at the moment. Whether we are at home shielding, at school, at work, or looking after other people. We pray that you will be present in every part of our lives, that you will give us the assurance and the confidence to work within your kingdom on earth, that we may be a witness for you in everything that we do. Amen.